Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, love, what's the story? What's the crack, hey? Got the shift off your man last night. Oh, I soak in diesel. You're legends. Leave a bleed now. She's something pure. I hear. Would you be well? Are you going out or are you going out out? Yeah, right. Hello. How's it going? What is the crack? This is Tiz Yourself and my name is Nicola Barden and this is episode 12, I believe, which is very exciting. There's going to be 15 episodes in this season. Um, so we've got three more after today, then take a little break and kick off series two. So whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, thanks a million for tuning in and playing my little podcast really means a lot to me. If it's the first time you've tuned in, you're probably tuned in because of my guest, who I will get to in a second. But uh, you have missed out on some great episodes behind this. This episode is for Mental Health Awareness Week. But if that is a topic that you're very interested in, there are some great episodes um, that we discuss mental health and addiction, depression. So if you feel like scrolling back after this, there is an interview with Matt Cardle that might interest you or Max Parker, last week's episode. If you are interested in hearing about a story about someone who's gone from the dark times to really turning his life around, that is definitely one to listen to. And of course, McLean Burke from Fair City is back there as well. He talked about having a breakdown in the pandemic, which is something that a lot of people can probably relate to. So this Mental Health Awareness Week, these are episodes I definitely would suggest for you if you haven't listened to them already. I suppose Mental Health Awareness Week is very important as ever every year but this year probably more so than ever we're in a situation we you know couldn't have predicted a couple of years ago we've now got a year and a couple of months between lockdowns allowed to do so much not allowed to leave our homes only allowed to go here there and you know we're starting to see the country's opening up again which is obviously fantastic from monday you can go into the shops without an appointment and you know you could, we can now go to you know places like the zoo and stuff but with that comes a level of anxiety that we're all probably not mentally prepared for I know myself, you know, the thoughts of being in a crowd right now just kind of freaks me out. And I know I will have some anxiety about going back to certain situations. So I suppose give yourself a break. If that is you, you don't have to be in pennies on Monday morning at 9am with the crowds. You know, we don't have to do anything like that. And when the pubs start to reopen and all that sort of stuff and the restaurants, you don't have to have an appointment straight away. Just breathe and go along your own pace. And if you have one appointment booked in, then don't see anyone for a couple of weeks after that, whatever suits you. Um, my next guest, a lot of people know her from Love Island. And as you know, on this episode, on this podcast, we ask how people are best known. I know that she was on Love Island, but I would know her more for what she's done since. So while a lot of the Love Island stars, I suppose you have gone down the just uh, influencer role. While my next guest is an influencer, she's also using her 
her, I suppose, platform is the word, to good use. She's become a mental health advocate after losing one of her closest friends and is using her social media, her interviews and everything, her voice really, to get people to get help, to to seek help. She's done it herself. She's been to therapy. She has created a safe place where people can come to her with issues. And that is incredible for someone who's only 25. So like massive billabus to her. My next guest is Montana Brown, the beautiful and lovely and just so inspiring um, Montana. I spoke to her on Zoom. We had, uh, I had technical difficulties for about 10 minutes to start. So, and she was ever so patient. So I have to say thank you for that. Um, we had a great chat and we decided to put this episode out this this weekend. We only chat during the week. We put this episode out today because of Mental Health Awareness Week. So I do hope that you enjoy. Trigger warning, we will talk about suicide. We will talk about depression and mental health. But also at the end, there will be some places I will give you that you can go for some help. So I hope you enjoy. Here is my chat with Montana Brown. Well, sure, we'll get started. Um, I always start the podcast off with asking people uh, how they're best known. So I suppose for you, that would probably be Love Island, I suppose. Yes, I'd say I'm probably best known from my appearance, my little cameo appearance four years ago on Love Island season three. Um, so I'd, I'd say that's probably where most people will see me. People don't recognize me normally wearing clothes because they've just seen me in a bikini they're like oh my god is that her and I'm like yes it is I can't believe it's four years I know it's been such a long time but I tell you what it I feel like it's like when I was at school I look back and I just can't quite believe it's been such a long time but I'm I'm still working as if I was on it last year like it's I feel very very lucky um to still kind of be be able to make a career out of it I tell you what it feels so weird looking back and watching little clips and often when people write kind of articles about me they use pictures from when I was on Love Island and I look back I'm like I look like a teenager and it's it's so weird looking back because I feel like at the time I thought I was really quite old and mature at 21 as you do and now I'm 25 I'm like oh my god what was I thinking about wearing that oh like that when you're 21 you think that you know everything about the world yeah I remember thinking like so like I was so grown up and I could make my own decisions and just I I did I th- I thought I knew everything. Is it weird for you that people still remember you for that then because obviously you've done so much since but is it odd for you to that the first thing they think of is Love Island? I mean I honestly see myself as kind of used good so I, I really find it weird that people still come up to me and they're like oh my god you're on Love Island I'm like how do you even remember that because I don't think I would because I, I always forget. I'm like, oh, that, oh yeah, that show a million years ago that I went on, yeah. Yeah, I, I find it weird that people are still so invested in everything that you do. I think it's it's kind of a, a show in its own right in terms of um, it's not like being a musician or it's not like being an actor or anything like that because people are so invested in you as a person and you and your personal life because they see your kind of how you are with men and how you interact with other people and what your mood's like. And they see a real accurate reflection of actually who you are, um, which I think not a lot of people can see like, when they're watching normal television. Um, so I think that's why people get so emotionally attached to it. Yeah. And like they think you're going to be with the person that you're with in Love Island forever. And they've basically wrote your romantic story and you're like, I'm only 21. <laughs> exactly. And also people genuinely feel like they are your friend. 
if I had to say like one thing that people come up to me all the time and say, they're like, I feel like we're friends because I feel like I know you. Um, so I think that's an amazing thing because it means that they have such a personal connection. Um, and it's nice that they feel that they, they can relate to you in some way. So I always find that really, really nice. What was it that, you know, drew you to going into it, the show in the first place? For me, I could never, I could never, I could never put myself out there like that and have, you know, the commentary. I'd be so nervous. Well, I think kind of back then, like four years ago, no one was really aware that the show was going to be big. Um, like nobody went in with an agent and kind of everyone was oblivious to the fact that the show was going to be so huge. Um, so I, I think it was, I think I, I remember getting the call and them saying like, yeah, you're going to be on the original kind of cast. So pack your bags and be ready in two weeks. And I just remember being so shocked because I actually never, ever expected to to get it in the first place. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm quite a spontaneous person anyway. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll just do that for a couple of months or even a week. I'll, pro- I'll probably only last on it a week. And then I, you know, I'll just go back to my day job. I'll, um, I'll just get a job in London. And, probably, yeah, and I just was so oblivious to what was about to happen. You had no idea your life was going to change so hugely that, you know, you would make a career out of it. No, I didn't even realise it was a career, to be honest, at the time. Um, And I just remember speaking to my friends so casually before I left, because I'd literally just finished university. I'd literally two or three days before I I went on Love Island, I'd literally just finished my dissertation and handed it in. Um, And I remember being like, all right, guys, well, I'll see you soon. Uh, you know, let's all catch up and we'll, hopefully we'll all have a grad job um, by the time I get back. And then, you know, your life kind of goes flips and turns upside down. And I just was completely didn't have no idea that um, that was going to be the case because obviously they protect you when you're in there. You know, you don't have your phone. Um, you just have no clue what's going on on the outside world. Cause I remember there was actually a few um, like terrorist attacks and there was a few like serious things going on in London at the time. Not a peep, did not, te- did not tell anybody. Wow. That's so weird to think you have no idea what's going on in the outside world. No. And also they don't even tell you the time. Like it's a, it was a very surreal time because they wake you up when it, when they want to wake you up, they put you to sleep when they want you to go to sleep. Um, and you know what it did actually feel like a gigantic girls and lads holiday like it was so fun and so whenever people say like oh you know I'm thinking of applying I'm like go for it absolutely go for it because it is a once in a lifetime opportunity um, and it is so fun even like the challenges and the games and just waking up and being surrounded by a group of people who are all so different and from different areas of the UK um, with different mm. backgrounds. I think it's, it is an amazing experience to go through um, when you're 21. What about now? Do you think it's the same when you watch it now? Like with what we know about, you know, mental health and, you know, appearances and stuff like that, you might have been a little bit more innocent, I suppose, in the early years of Love Island. But do you now kind of go, there is a lot of pressure on people to look stunning? Yeah. And I think there's a massive correlation of people that go on that show and then subsequently are dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression or dealing with paranoia or anxiety attacks. Um, and it's because there's nothing like it. And I think going from being 
kind of like a nobody and an unknown, you can walk the street to this level of fame, which is kind of quite high, but then again, it's quite low in terms of, you know, people want to have access to you all the time. People love you. People want to chase you down the street. People want pictures with you. But then a lot of people are very kind of judgmental on reality stars and um, people who are on television, TV personalities. I think they get a lot of slack for, you know, being stupid or, um, you know, not being very good at anything and not really having any skills, like tangible skills. Um, But I do feel like, especially now, there is way more to think about going on a show. I had nothing to think about when I was going on the show. I took it as an experience and I didn't expect anything from it. Um, Whereas people on it now, you know, they know what they're getting themselves into. So if they're going to go on that show, they need to mentally prepare. They need to prepare themselves for the fact that their life is going to change. And if they are not somebody who is willing to look after their mental health, after the show or is somebody who you know gets offended easily or someone who's quite sensitive and who really takes to heart other people's opinions then that show is not for you yeah well I know for me it wouldn't be for me I would I can remember every bad thing anyone's ever said to me throughout my life so (laughs) it's of I'd read something on Twitter and I wouldn't see the 50 nice things I'd see the every negative one instead and I think you have to be very headstrong to be able to deal with that yeah I I also think it's about it the big issue is that a lot of people that go on Love Island are very young they're between 19 and 22 I mean I was 21 when I went on it and like we said at the beginning um you think that you know everything and you think life is all dandy and you're still in quite a naive phase of your life where you don't really know like the nastiness of the world yet um, and I think it's a bit of a shock to the system when you when you leave. And I remember I was getting like trolled for my parents and I was reading these comments and they and these people that I had no idea who they were were picking out things about my face that they didn't like, things that I'd never noticed before. And, you know, as a 21 year old, you do they do sit with you and they do eat away at you. They eat away at your own insecurities. So. Now I definitely don't care and it's not something that affects me at at all in terms of like social media and people messaging me nasty things. But back then, I think four years ago, it was something that I really struggled with because it made me want to get plastic surgery. It made me want to get Botox. It made me want to get filler. It made me want to have a nose job. Um, And obviously that's not normal. Um, And I think especially in the entertainment industry, those kind of things to get those things done, that is very normal. Whereas for me, as a 21-year-old from Hertfordshire, um, that wasn't normal. So it was a whole new world of discovering things and discovering what's normal for the entertainment world is not normal for everybody else. Yeah, you see even with Molly May recently, like dissolving her fillers and going for that more natural look, she obviously felt the pressure coming out of that, winning it to look a certain way. And same as you probably read all those comments and thought, well, everybody else in the industry is doing it. And now she's obviously more comfortable in her skin. And that, I imagine that there's, you know, plastic surgeons coming to the likes of the Love Island people instantly coming out going, we can do this for you. Yes, exactly. And they're offering you all this free Botox, free filler. Oh, we'll give you a free nose job. Oh, we'll give you a free boob job. And then you're kind of second guessing yourself and do I need a boob job? Like, do I need a nose job? All these, all these other people are, you know, they're really successful and they're working and they're in the entertainment industry and they're really successful. So maybe if I get a nose job, 
then that's actually what people do. That's the norm. Um, and I think you're so right. I think Molly was definitely kind of in a similar headspace, I think, to me, where you feel the need to change yourself to look even better because there is such a pressure on what you look like. No one really cares about what's beneath the surface. Like this, this entertainment industry is very kind of fixated on appearance and it's just quite a shallow environment. So, and for her to get kind of all of the, all of the work that she got undone, I think was really brave. And I think how she spoke about it so openly because you feel kind of quite ashamed. I think, I mean, I'd kind of had the same situation. I got loads of filler and I got Botox and I had things under my face, which now I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I, I, I got it for the wrong reasons. I think if people want to get Botox and filler because they're really insecure about the way that they look and they have been for years and years and years, and it's something that's niggled at them for a long time. I think that's different, but I was getting it because I was scrolling through Instagram saying, Oh, she's got bigger cheekbones and she, that looks really amazing. Maybe if I get that, I'm going to look like that and I'll look better. Um, and I was, it was more of an active comparison. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's so unhealthy, but now I get nothing done. I just get skin, skincare, skincare regimes are the main priority. <laughs> and you're still so young, so you don't need anything. Like I look at you and I'm like, what? You don't need anything, but it doesn't matter what I say or what anybody else says. It's all about what's in your own head, I suppose. Yeah. And internally, I didn't feel good. I think it was so bizarre. I just felt like I had really low self-esteem when I came off of the show because I was always quite a tomboy and I always used to kind of go around wearing like black leggings and black hoodie with my hair in a bun and I was always really sporty. And so kind of looking nice and looking fashionable was never me. It was never a priority. I never wanted to spend money on jeans because I never used to wear them. I used to hate wearing jeans. I still hate wearing jeans. Um, (laughs) And then you kind of come out and you're expected to be super fashionable and like, you know, be a fashion icon and work for these fashion brands. And I just remember panicking, being like, I'm not fashionable. I don't know how to piece an outfit together. Like, why can't I just wear black leggings and a black hoodie? Why, <laughs> why, isn't, this fashion- why isn't this fashionable? And I used to stress so much going to these events because I thought, oh, my God, people are going to know that I'm not fashionable. What am I going to do? <laughs> um, so it was a, a lot of pressure um, to, I think, be a certain way. But I think you have to learn. And again, it's part and parcel of growing up as well, I think you don't truly know who you are at 21 and you're still growing and you're still figuring out who you want to be. And I think that's where the dangers lie with a show like Love Island is that a show like that can make you make decisions that will affect your whole life, like plastic surgery. And in four years time, you might not think that you need it and you might regret it. And, you know, that's what we're seeing now is me reversing all of that and Molly reversing all of that. I just hope that people can look to people like Molly and and be like, right, well, I'm not going to make any rash decisions about, getting any of that stuff done yeah I suppose as you said you've reversed all that you have kind of put an angle on your career you're very much a mental health advocate now you know we see obviously this is mental health awareness week you're quite outspoken I've seen like on your Instagram you've done podcasts and tv shows where you're open and that's hard to come out the first time and do come out and be like hey I felt like shit about myself yeah definitely and I think as well, because I hadn't dealt with, um, you know, depression or anxiety or anything like that before I've been on the show. At the time, I didn't want to seem ungrateful because a lot of people are like, yeah, well, you're rich and, you know, you're famous now. So, like, what do you have to be unhappy about? And I think 
that to me used to really get me because I'm like, oh yeah, what? Like, why am I feeling like this? Like, oh, that's so stupid. Like, why am I feeling like this? I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to complain about this because I've got all these amazing opportunities. Um, and that was definitely a real kind of struggle because I never felt that my life was bad enough to feel bad. Um, so it was definitely something that I struggled with at the start. And then obviously when Mike um, committed suicide and that was when I kind of ever had like a mild depression and I've never like suffered with a depression before. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, this isn't just about Mike being depressed and having suicidal thoughts. This is about, this happens to a lot of people. This isn't just people in the entertainment industry. This is a global problem where people feel like they're alone. People feel like they're depressed and they're unable to speak about it because they don't feel like anyone else is going through it. Um, and I think it can be such a lonely, dark time. Like I was crying myself to sleep every night. I was ostracizing myself from my friends and my family. I was not eating at all because I wanted to punish myself because I felt so awful. I was I was looking outside on a day that was relatively bright and I genuinely was seeing like tones of gray and I just didn't want to go outside. I wanted to stay in bed all day and I didn't have any motivation to do anything. And nobody would have known like genuinely nobody would have known and this was the point where I got filler and I got more filler and more filler because I thought I need to look good and this if I get filler this is going to make me feel better about myself um and it actually in fact did the opposite um and then kind of when I kind of came out of it and you know I just went to go see a therapist and um, I was reading a lot of self-help books and I was kind of implementing small things in my life um, to make me more mentally healthy and to change my mindset. And I kind of had a light bulb moment, an epiphany just to myself and thought, this is just a snippet of my life. Like I was I had mild depression for maybe three, four months and people deal with depression for years and years. It's an ongoing battle. And I thought more needs to be done to one, raise awareness about it and two, to help these people who are feeling depressed because I have access to a therapist or I have access to speak to my friends if I want to, or, um, you know, just take the time to reflect. And a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have the money. They don't have the resources. They don't have the support and they're still battling to, to want to stay alive another day. And I just, the thought of that, it was so upsetting to me and I thought we need to do more. And that's definitely where um, my passion came from um, to help other people and to try and actually make a difference because I thought what I'm doing right now, posting about tops and shorts and, you know, talking about bloody bikinis. I was like, that's not helping anyone. If anything, it's probably making people feel like shit because <laughs> there's me prancing around in a bikini um, and I thought this isn't helping people like my my I felt like I lacked purpose um, and I really felt like my job didn't mean anything. So I think that's definitely where it comes from. When Mike took his own life, there was like I remember watching you on this morning, not to bring up a really hard time, obviously, in your life. It just kind of threw a spotlight on how people have been hiding, clearly hiding um, and as you said, yes, celebrities can feel like shit and can go through something like that. And I suppose that's when the conversation really kicked up a notch. You know, people, a young guy who seemed that he was in his prime and was running a career that we all thought was going well, was hiding all this. 
And that's, I suppose, made us all kind of go, hold on a second. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was shocking for everybody. And I just remember being in complete denial because my friend messaged me because I was actually out with um, a group of friends from uni. And I remember getting this text being like, have you heard what's happened to Mike? And I was, I honestly thought it was a joke. I thought it was a prank. Um, And then I think what really kind of hit me was that I knew that Mike was kind of going through depression and suicidal thoughts um, in the last November that he was with us. So I think it was November, December. And I was speaking to him for hours at nighttime and messaging him about self-help books and I was t- it was it was really heartbreaking because I could tell how scared he was. Um, he was scared to be on his own and he was scared to leave himself by himself because he knew that he was in a bad spot and he'd never, ever kind of dealt with, um, you know, depression and anxiety or anything like that. And he wasn't kind of reaching out for help. Um, and I think he did. He was taking antidepressants. But then again, there's a big lack of education with taking antidepressants as well, because he was like, well, I, you know, I, I took some for a couple of days. And then my other friends were saying that, you know, I don't need to be on them. So I went off of them for another three days and then I went back on because I felt really bad. And if you research more into that, you d- that's just rule 101. You can't go on and off, on and off, on and off, because, you know, these are strong substances that people are taking. And I think there is such a lack of education for people who are depressed, who are having suicidal thoughts and what what they can do to manage manage that and actually get better so I think for I think for me the the main thing was that I thought he was getting better and I obviously missed something in terms of you know so he he took his own life in March and all throughout January and February he was like he sent me a Christmas card he's like thank you so much um you've really helped me and you know I feel so much better now and I just feel um, I feel really grateful to have you as a friend. I thought, oh my God, that's so nice. He sent me a Christmas card. And then in January, Feb, we were still speaking a lot and seeing each other and catching up. And there were little things, for example, like I told him to order this book called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. And like the, it's almost like a self-help book, but it gives you daily tasks to do to get yourself in a better mindset. So the first kind of rule is write 10 things that you're grateful for every day. Um, and so he was doing that. And then like the sixth lesson was, you know, carry a picture around of you um, of your loved ones in your car so you can see it all the time or on your key ring. And he was doing things like that. And I thought, oh, I'm so happy. Like he's finally kind of getting out of this and he was going to the gym a lot. And, and then it just, this is why I was so surprised because I thought, oh my goodness, I thought he was better and he just wasn't. And I think he just... I genuinely believe that he did exhaust like every other avenue. But again, it was the lack of support in terms of maybe even a lack of education um, that he just didn't understand how to manage his depression, which is just the saddest thing ever. And that is is so heartbreaking because you're thinking, I really tried here. And there's going to be people listening who have lost loved ones because I suppose suicide affects everybody. And that's the thing. It affects everybody. It's not just the person who takes their own life. I know in that moment they think we're all better off without them, but actually it's such a snowball effect. You, you leave the earth and everybody around you, their life has changed forever. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's, it's such a harrowing way to lose somebody. And I was speaking to my friend about it the other day, actually. And death in itself is just such a horrible thing to go through because I remember I really struggled with thinking like, you know, where do they go when they die? And, you know, 
are they still around me? Like if you speak to, you know, if you speak to them and you look up, like, am I being stupid? Like, have they gone forever? And I think that was something that I really struggled with because I, I was left really confused about what happens to people when they die. And obviously no one has that answer. And so, you know, a couple of people were like, you know, they're just gone like forever. Like they're just gone. And I genuinely don't believe that. Mm. Um, but it, it, I think it's harrowing because family members and friends will always feel like they could have done something to prevent it. And I genuinely think if, if so, every atom, every cell in someone's body is telling them to take their own life, it's, it's nothing to do with the people around them. And that's taken me a long time to kind of realize that. Um, but it's, it's, it's a disease essentially. It's, you know, us healthy humans, you know, we fight diseases, we fight, you know, our whole fight and flight method is to, is to survive. So the fact that your body is allowing you to do something like that is just, it's, it's something that a lot of us can't comprehend. No. And you're thinking you kind of go, Oh, if you could just, if you could just talk to me and that's the thing people feel afterwards, did I miss like you did, you were like, looking back, did I miss a conversation if I'd called him that day? And as you said, if they've gotten to that point where every cell is screaming at them, you can't keep beating yourself up. No, exactly. And I also think um, it's not like, I think people think that, oh, it must have been like a split decision and it must be something that they just woke up and thought, oh, well, today's the day. This is like a prolonged I think this is a prolonged situation where these people who are suffering goes on for months. Like it's not something they just wake up and think, oh, I'm going to kill myself today because I don't want to live another day. Every single day is a struggle for them. And, you know, I've done a lot of research on people who are suicidal and they genuinely think that living another day is less scary than killing themselves. And I just think that's so morbid. And which is why weeks like Mental Health Week is so important because we I don't want people to feel alone. And especially with um, my brand, Swim Society, something that I'm so passionate about is that we, we want to run like workshops about body image, about self-love, about, you know, positive mindset. Because I think we all talk about positive mindset and think um, that it's really hard to achieve and that people are like, oh, well, you know, what is me writing down three things that I'm grateful for? How is that going to help me in my life? Um, but I have to say that it has absolutely transformed my life. It got me out of being depressed is working on my own, doing the inner work for myself um, and being self-aware and, you know, letting myself, letting myself express myself in whatever way that is, whether it's like, for example, I write down things in a diary and that for me really works because I'm not so good at articulating it to my friends, but I can write down in a diary how I'm actually feeling Um and I think there is a lot of stigma still around that about therapy, about reaching out for help, about having a diary, about writing down these things, about being spiritual, about being open-minded, because the fact is a lot of people are closed-minded um, mm -hmm. about these things. And it's like, actually, if you could be a little bit more open-minded and we could all be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more empathetic, I think we could save a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think when you're saying there are a lot of people are closed-minded, they think, oh, like, especially, I suppose, a little bit older than us they have lived through everything and they think if, well look that's not you don't know hardship like we know hardship and you're the pressures that are on us today are different than the pressures that were on us 10 years ago so mm. you can't even compare 
Exactly. And I also think people need to understand that just because something wouldn't upset you, just because something wouldn't tip you over the edge doesn't mean it's not going to tip, you know, your neighbor over the edge. And I think, I think people really are, are quite judgmental about mental health because for example, let's take Mike, for example, you know, he's good looking, he's tall, he's tanned, you know, he had lots of girls around him. He had lots of friends. He had an amazing family. So people kind of look at him and be like, well, what do you have to be depressed about? Um, and, and I think it's, it's a case of, again, like being empathetic because you can have everything in the world. You could be the richest person in the world and you can be so unhappy being wealthy, being attractive, being, you know, successful in life doesn't equal happiness. Mm-hmm. You can, you can be super successful and you could be the highest net worth individual and you could be alone crying yourself to sleep and, you know, wanting to kill yourself. And there's, there is no correlation. It affects everybody no matter what stage in their life that they're at and different individuals deal with things in different ways and find different things difficult um so I think it's just a case of educating people from a grassroots level and so it filters up and just spreading that message that we're all in this together and we can make a difference and it's just tiny things in life that we can make a difference like for for example now if my friend says to me if I'm like hey how are you and they say yeah I'm okay how are you I'm like oh okay, why do, why do you only feel okay? And they're like, mm, I've had a bit of a shitty week. Okay, tell me a bit more about it. So mm-hmm. we're, I'm forcing my friends to tell me why they're not feeling okay or, or they're just feeling okay because you need to be more hyper, hyper aware of if people aren't feeling great um, and exploring it a bit more. Oh, completely. Like anytime I've... Uh, I've been feeling bad, let's say, and you might, it takes a lot to stand up and actually say it out loud or write it in a message to somebody. And you could find somebody might write back the wrong answer. And that is so huge. Like if I message someone, I'm feeling really, really crap today. And they reply, but why, you know, you're interviewing Montana today, or you got a free delivery today. What, what, what's that mean that I don't cry at night or I don't feel alone or stuff like that. People have to be very aware of the messaging and the responses they're given to people. Exactly. And I think, again, it's like an education thing. So I'm hoping that if COVID permits that I can do these workshops and that we can, it's, I think it's just all about human connection and it's, it's about common ground and it doesn't matter where people are from, um, you know, what body shape they are, what, what ethnicity they are, wherever they're from, whatever education they've had, we need to be connecting with all different types of people from all different walks of life and just connecting on the fact that, you know, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. We all probably will go through dealing with mental health once in our lives at least. So let's, you know, make it that little bit easier and just show everyone kindness. And I think that's that's the key thing here. Is it is it hard for you to kind of, as an advocate, you're obviously talking about it quite a lot but you also have to look after your own mental health. So like talking about things like this, you have to probably have a limit, I suppose, maybe, or do you have like a routine that you have to do every day to make sure that it doesn't bog you down too much? No, I think I'm, I'm in a really good spot and I have been kind of for the past like six months. I mean, it's definitely a journey because I used to kind of really be quite conscious of me being on social media all the time because I was still in that headspace of comparing myself and, you know, just looking at everyone's Instagram, being like, that means I have to get ready and squeeze myself into jeans today because they're out taking content. Um, but I think now it's just about setting your boundaries and what you're comfortable with. Like, I know that I can't spend all day scrolling on my phone because it just makes me unproductive. 
and I'm looking at my peripherals thinking, oh, what, what, what work are they doing and what interviews are they doing? Um, and actually, if I use that energy and put it into myself and think, what do I want to do this month? What do I want to achieve this month? Um, you know, what friends do I want to see this month? And what am I going to do for my friends? Am I going to send my friend a card this month? Is any of my friend's birthdays this month that I need to send a card to? Um, and I think it's just about setting boundaries and knowing yourself. Like, for example, if I get down in the dumps or I feel like I'm getting quite moody, going for a walk for an hour and a half without my phone in the fresh air is something that I will do, or I will write down things that I'm grateful for, or I'll do some affirmations. Um, and I do find those things really, really helpful. And I think it's limiting social media for me as something that's definitely made a difference. Oh, definitely. I know when I'm in a bad headspace, I'll hide Instagram and Twitter on my phone because if you're in a bad space, it's like an automatic comparison. You don't, maybe you don't do it all the time, but the minute you feel a bit shit about yourself, you're like, why is she a size eight? Why is yeah. she got that job? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't want to see people looking pristine when I'm still in bed at like 1 p.m. I don't want to see people up out going for a jog at 6am. I'm like, oh God, couldn't think of anything worse. Oh my God. My friend is always putting up uh, jogging at six, you know, and I'm like, you've nothing else to do for the day. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> well, it seems that you're using your social media. I know you've limited, but you're using yours for good though, which I suppose is a healthy break in a, in a world of scrolling. Oh, definitely. Um, I love reading my DMs because I, I get so many lovely DMs from people saying, you know, your page really helps me be more positive in my life and it's made a real positive in, impact. And that's all I could really ask for. That's the sole purpose pretty much why I enjoy social media. I mean, obviously it's lovely to see my friends and my friends' pictures and all of those kind of things. Mm. Um, but knowing that you're making a difference to someone's life is the best thing ever in between the creep dms that you get as well i'm sure <laughs> yeah in between the creepy dms and the weird the weirdos in between all of that then it's d definitely the most life-changing thing and so what is next for you apart from the workshops then what is your i know you're saying you've got your own brand as well is that the next big push for you yeah so my main focus at the minute is swim society kind of scaling that for the next three years um, doing the workshops and that's something where I think I'm really going to thrive and love it is connecting with people who connect with me so all these people that are messaging me saying that they're struggling or dealing with anxiety dealing with depression and kind of want a bit of guidance um, and a bit of help um, we can invite those people to come to these workshops and we can actually meet them in person um, and just really help them on their journey of self-love. It is something that I do think that celebrities can help I know like sometimes you'd be looking and going as we were talking about earlier, somebody might be like, oh, she's gorgeous. How does she have mental health problems? But I think it reaches um, certain people that maybe wouldn't ever talk about mental health, whether it's an older singer goes on the TV and talks about it and it get, reaches older men or, you know, someone who's on Love Island and might reach that teen to mid-20s. So there is something powerful about it when you're ready to talk about it on your own social media and stuff. Exactly. And I always encourage people to start their own kind of mental health pages, no matter if they are in the public eye or they're not, because it gives them a, a safe space to connect with people who are also going through the same thing. So, again, I think it's just a case of making people feel like they're not alone um, mm. and that it's fine to share, because I think people are like, oh, like 
do I share that I've been writing in my diary or are people going to make fun of me? It's like, who cares about these people? Like they're not mm-hmm. the people that you want to be surrounding yourself with. Oh yeah, I can automatically tell if I put up something on Instagram, who's going to slag it and what they're probably going to say about me. Like, oh, they screenshot this and put it in a WhatsApp group. And you're just like, oh, I'm too old for that shit. Like, can't yeah. deal with that drama. I feel like it's so sad. I'm like, you're that sad that like you're like there on your sofa, like just trying to like bitch about people essentially for just trying to improve their life. Yeah. And I know that the problem is that they're just too stuck in their ways that they won't do it. And so they're like, it's better to just take the piss out of someone than actually acknowledge that they're doing something to make themselves happier. Exactly. Well, fair play to you. I honestly, I I know a lot of people know you from Love Island. I feel like I know you more as the mental health side of things. And I think that's only an amazing thing to be known for, to actually be helping people when you have a platform, but also to be doing it truly like realistically and it's not just a I'm doing this for a a brand let's say or I'm only doing Mm. it this month and then I'll forget about it so fair play to you to actually be so open and changing I'm sure changing people's lives oh I hope so I intend I intend to carry that on but um thank you very much and thank you so much for having me on this on this podcast it was really great to chat to you Yeah, you too. And I'm sorry for our 52 minutes of technical difficulties. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's absolutely fine. No problem at all. Thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of the week. Yes. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So, of course, that was Montana Brown there. And I hope you enjoyed that chat, which we had for Mental Health Awareness Week. But also just it's always good to have those kind of chats, no matter just because it's a week that raises awareness, but all year round. And I hope that If you are going through a situation yourself or somebody you know is going through a situation, it gave you an insight into how you could help or, you know, if it is yourself, where you can go for some help. And obviously want to be able to help you, you know, some great places in whether you're in Ireland or in the UK are the Samaritans. The number for them both here in Ireland and in the UK is 116123. Go on to the and you'll be able to get you an email service. There's text service. Here in Ireland, the free text for mental health help is 50808. So send a text to that and there'll be a trained counsellor that'll come back to you straight away. We'll direct you, you know, in the moment, but we'll also direct you where you can get help and longer term. Um, and also reach out to somebody in your life if you're going through that. I know it's I know it's terrifying. Look, I've I can't say that I've been to the point of you know, suicide, but I've had dark days, really dark days, you know, especially in the last year and just offloading to somebody. I know how terrifying that is to actually put the words down on in a message or pick up the phone and say, listen, this is, I feel like absolute shit about myself, whatever your, whatever your issue is. But you know what? It can be, it can be so enlightening. It can be, it can lift a weight off your shoulders because not only then do you have to look after yourself, somebody else is looking after you because they now know this. So they're going to keep an eye on you. So maybe that can be a help because they'll check in on you and they'll help you and they'll guide you. And also some of the tips that Montana gave there, the writing down affirmations, the writing down the things you're grateful for. They seem like, how can that help me? But when you look on a piece of paper and see what, how much you have going for yourself, that can really help. I was doing that last year. I do it when I'm kind of feeling the dark days coming again. I write them down, things I'm grateful for, the good things that are going on in my life, going around the world. And also 
pick your social media, go through it. This is what I did. <laughs> I realized I was following people I shouldn't have been following. Their lives seemed so perfect to me and they seemed so gorgeous and everything was filtered. And like, I don't mind a filter, but like filtered, I mean, photoshopped here. And I realized, why am I following these people? Like I ended up following a lot of animal charities that I love um, around the world, you know, that are doing amazing things. And suddenly you see how the pandemic has benefited them. So that gives you a little bit of a good feeling that, you know, the elephants are thriving, rhinos are thriving. That's just my personal love. I love animals. Whatever it is for you, go out and follow that. If it's you love makeup, follow makeup artists and see the different things instead of having your timeline filled with perfection. Like nobody is perfect and everybody is living a life behind a screen. And you know yourself, if you look at that person's picture, whoever it is, and they're putting up their tiny body and their bikini bud, think about, would you put up a picture of yourself looking like shit and crying? Probably not. So we don't know what everybody is fighting. But the most important thing is you can't worry about them. You have to worry about yourself. So worry about yourself and worry about your inner circle and reach out to people that you maybe haven't spoken to, especially this week. Just drop in a text. And as Montana says there, if they go, things are only okay. Why are they only okay? What's going on? I find a phone call can, you know, change a mood. Walk, Going for a walk and stick my earphones in and ring in somebody. It's just it's so empowering and it just changes everything because 20 minutes, 30 minutes talking to somebody and you start talking about old times and laughing and plans when you're going to see each other or talking to your mom or whatever. It's a big, it's a big deal and it can really turn your mood around. Anyway, that's enough lecturing for me. Um, do come and follow me on Instagram and let me know what you thought of Montana's interview. The Instagram is at tisyourself. You can find me on email as well, welltisyourself at gmail.com. And as you heard at the start there and at the end here, we do have some little Irish phrases that I love to say. We have, you know, little clips them. If you haven't heard your favorite, send me an audio tape. Um, you don't, your name won't be in it. As you heard there, it'll just be a little clip of your favorite Irish phrases that you haven't heard because I'm sure there's some Kerry that I haven't had or, you know, Leitrim or Donegal, whatever they are. So send them on to me and I'll make sure to include them in a future episode. Until then, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a review, anything like that. And let me know what you think of this episode and scroll on back and see if there's anything else that you might be interested in. Till next time, till next Saturday. I'll leave you here. Good luck. Look after yourselves. Go on. I'll chat to you. Goodbye. Sloan. Sherlock, isn't that it? Sherlock, sure, sure listen. Jesus, I'm knackered. Mother and lantern Jesus! There's not a child's arse in the house washed! Good luck.